Well, we're in the Advent season, and Advent is all about anticipation. It's about waiting for the the most precious gift that God has ever given to us in the birth of His Son. Uh, And it makes me think about birth announcements, and and, uh, some of you, if you're parents, uh, you've experienced this before, that, 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 that moment when you're like, oh, whoa, we're, we're expecting. And, and so there's different ways of getting the word out. I, so my children were born, my first two were born in, in the 80s. That's, that's how old I am. And uh, back then we didn't have social media. And so, you know, you would just like, it was word of mouth. It was like, hey, you should find out. Yeah, we're expecting. And, and uh, now, today, with social media and all these really creative ways people are, are letting you know about their babies, we wanted to show you some of this, have, have a little bit of fun with it. So this one right here, they say, we're, we're pregnant. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of fun right there. How about, how about this one right here? Maybe a little too real right there. <laughs> I thought that one was particularly funny. Uh, this one here, we planned, you know, three plus one equals four. So you're like, oh, we're so excited, except for God said, no, we're actually going to have twins. We're going to have five. And I thought that was a good one. How about this one right here? Our beautiful little tax write-off deduction. Oh, he's so cute. And I don't know if you ever saw, if you parents ever saw your child that way, but it helps. Um, how about this one? This, this, these people, this, these parents said, he's going to be a ladies' man. And so they're already forecasting the future with this guy. And then uh, finally, this is kind of one I really like a lot. Oldest, middle, and then notice the, the dog on the end. There's going to be three. And why is it the dog always gets the short end of the deal right there, right? It's like, oh, no, here, here we go again. Well, today... We're going we're gonna to talk about a, the most precious birth announcement, and we're going to find that in the book of Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles uh, or you know, your phone or something, just go there, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And while you're turning there, I want to give you um, kind of the context, sort of the backstory of what's going on here. So Isaiah uh, was a prophet that ministered from 740 B.C., and he, and he ministered for uh, 60 years. He had a really long period where... Uh, he operated as a prophet. He said, well, what does a prophet do? And in the Old Testament, a prophet was the one who was the communicator from God to the people, and he would, he would speak the words of God to oftentimes the, the powers that be the, you know, the king and the, sort of the power players of, of, the, of, of the kingdom. Uh, and so a lot of times the job of a prophet was really difficult because many times in you know, the, the life of, of, of Israel, they were out of sorts with God. Sometimes they were corrupted. Sometimes they were actually following other gods. And so the prophet was the guy that would have to come along and say, okay, this is, thus saith the Lord, this is what God is saying. And a lot of times it was really a difficult message to bring. And so, uh, so far, right before we get to chapter 9, that's exactly what Isaiah is doing. He's bringing kind of a harsh word from God because Israel is, is just mis- misbehaving. Um, so, there's a, a group of people that God has allowed, and actually it was in 736 B.C., called the Assyrians. And, and God allowed the Assyrians to come in and invade the northern kingdom of Israel. If you know anything about the history of Israel, you know they were divided into two kingdoms, the southern and the northern kingdom. And so when the Assyrians came in, they essentially made the life of, of the Israelites just about as bad as it could get. Uh, just to give you a sense of how bad the Assyrians were, uh, they were known for uh, being ruthless, and, and they actually delighted in the way that they tortured people. They boasted about how they tortured people. And it was like graphic. I'm not going to even tell you what they did. And they were imposing this on the Israelites. Some of them they were de- deporting, they were bringing back to Assyria. So 
all that to say, this was really a difficult time in the life of Israel. And so the way that Israel responding is they're like, God, where are you? God, did you abandon us? Do you even care about us? Because we're in pain. We're in serious hurt right now. So this is where you pick it up in verse 1. It starts with the word, which we're going to talk about this word a little bit, and it's a, good, it's a transition word. And the word is nevertheless. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephitali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee, the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. I don't know if you caught that Galilee. 700 years before the arrival of Christ, uh, the prophet is saying, there's going to be a prophet, actually it would be Jesus, the Messiah, in, in Galilee. And of course, that's where Jesus would, would come from that area. Then it says in verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's, that's good news right there. And those living in a land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat... You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boots used in battle, and every garment rolled up in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And then here comes the, the birth announcement. For unto us a child is born, uh, to us a son is given. 700 years before the fact, a birth reveal, it will be a boy. I didn't get that uh, pleasure. You know, when, back when we were having children, you just kind of found out when it happened. And the government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Words of hope and that's really we wanted last week we actually talked about hope today we're going to focus more on peace and, and so we we want to begin with this question is, is how can i experience peace in the midst of despair now it doesn't mean that you walked in here in despair in fact i, I i've kind of noticed that it seems to be two groups of people the way they face christmas and the first group is the happy-go-lucky it is as the song says the most wonderful time of the year and everywhere they walk around, you, they're just like, yay, it's Christmas time. But then there's the other half, and it's probably at least that, that are like, oh, Christmas, such a headache, and you know, all the budgetary things we have to look at, and the traffic, and all the stuff that comes with Christmas having to be with, you know, maybe family settings that are a little uncomfortable, and all of that. So there's kind of two approaches. So um, if you find yourself in a little bit of despair, I hope that this message will bring some peace to you. And if you're like enjoying the season, I hope you enjoy it even more as we talk about this. So the promise of Advent begins with the word, and we already said it's the word nevertheless. It's a transition word. Now, you know, when you think about that word, it's like, all right, never, nevertheless what? See, that word to me uh, is a real feel-good word, and, and, and it has a lot to do with my own personal history. So when I was uh, in, in grammar school and going through school, um, and I, I know you're going to find this really hard to believe, but I, I was a little bit rowdy, and, and I found myself in the principal's office uh, way too many times, and I remember the principal would be talking to me, 
and just, I can't drill it into me, right, you know, little Stevie, Stevie, you know, just talking about what I'd done. And then there would be this moment, and I still remember it, and, and the principal would say, nevertheless, and when I heard that word, I knew everything was going to be okay. And so, nevertheless, and then the, you know, the principal would go, you know, Stevie, you're actually a good boy, you know, just be better, okay? And then I, I grew up, and I went to college. And so I remember in my junior year of college, um, I was still kind of a rowdy character and causing some problems on camp. I went to a small Christian college in Santa Cruz, and I was just kind of the prankster guy. Uh, and so I was starting my f- junior year in, in college, and they called me into the uh, dean's office. And I knew it wasn't for my grades because they were so awesome. I figured it was, must be something else. So I'm sitting before the dean, and the dean has this expression on his face, and I know that this is not going to be a fun conversation. So I'm sitting down, and the dean's looking at me, and he said, Steve, we need to talk about, you know, what's been going on the last couple of years. You don't seem like you're serious about this, on and on and on. And my heart is just sinking. I'm like, oh, man, they are going to ask me to leave. And, and then there was that word. After quite a bit of conversation, he says, nevertheless, Steve, we believe in you. And I'm like, yes, yes. I'm going to be able to say, it's, it's, it's a beautiful word. And it actually, in this case, it is still a, a beautiful word. So nevertheless means, in this particular instance, it means that God will bring peace to my stressed out life. So these people were stressed out. Again, they were, they were being invaded by, by the Assyrians, and their life had become oppressive and hard and difficult. And it says there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. <clears throat> when, I, when I think of gloom, I naturally think if you are a San Diego resident, if you've lived here any length of time, I think of June gloom and, uh, or May gray. But in particular, June gloom. And I'm not a, like a, I don't, like today what we're experiencing, it's wintertime here. And I don't care what people say, we actually have seasons in San Diego. We actually do. But, so like this is okay, but then I need, I'm one of those, I need the sun to come out. All right? And in June's a hard month. And I, I feel sorry for all the tourists uh, you know, I live by, by the beach, and so I'm cruising by the beach, and I see people that have come from all parts of the world, and they're laying on the beach, and it's freezing cold, and I'm like, oh, you poor people, you know, really, because somebody told them that in San Diego, it's beautiful all the time, uh, except for they didn't know that June was gloom, and, and for some people, that's kind of a picture of what their life can be at certain seasons of, of their life, and that's what's going on with them, and maybe that's what's going on with you. You find yourself in this place, and it's kind of gloomy, and, and maybe it has to do with the season. Maybe it has to do with the fact that uh, financially things are not good, and you're thinking, man, i got to buy gifts. And, and maybe it has something to do with being in close quarters with people that make you a little uncomfortable. You have to see them once a year, if you know what I'm talking about. And like, you know, how's that all going to go? And, and you just feel a little bit of the gloom. But he says, there'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress. And that would be a word, a prophetic word then. It could be a f- prophetic word for you now, if you're, if you're willing to hear it and, and to receive that from God. And then, nevertheless, God walks with me through my darkness. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a, a great light. Good news, the Messiah is coming and everything is going to change. When I think of darkness, I, I, on a, kind of an emotional level, I, like um, sort of a life level, there are times, and probably a lot of us have experienced those in our life, where it gets so difficult, you feel like you're in the dark. And you feel like you don't have options. That's part of the deal. It's like, I'm so depressed, I, I just can't see anything, and I, I feel like I, I have no options. One of my really, really good friends, he's a pastor. He's a great pastor. He's been a pastor for a long time. 
is walking through the darkest season of his life that I've ever known him to experience in, in all of these years. Uh, and he's a great guy. And, and the reason that I'm talking about him is I'm saying this could happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, dark seasons happen to almost everybody at some time in their life. And so um, this guy, who, who just a wonderful guy and, and ministers to so many people, his, his, uh, one of his sons is going through his third divorce, has become suicidal, um, had to check into the, to the psych ward. And there's a bunch of children that are involved in this because um, they've got like five kids. Um, and the story just, I mean, I could tell you more details, but I'm just going to say he is in the darkest season of his life. And, and so a, a bunch of us that know him have kind of come around him and tried to help him and his wife to sort of get through this season. And, and that's what we do as the family of God. You know, we care for each other, especially when somebody's going through the darkness. I, I think that it's interesting, and it's one of the things, oftentimes you hear me sort of like blast the culture, but this is one of the things that's happening in our culture that I think is really healthy today, is that we're beginning to address mental health issues in a way that we never have before. And I think that's good because people that experience extreme depression and other kind of things emotionally, um, a lot of times they sort of fly under the radar. And they're sort of embarrassed. And I, I hate to say this, but sometimes I don't know if the church has always been on top of that, very, done that really well. Um, sometimes I, I feel like people that struggle with those kind of things have been shamed a little bit. And, and I just want you to know that on my watch, this will never be that kind of a church. That if you, you just do what you have to do, man. You go get help, you take meds, you do whatever you need to do. And one of the things that really gives me a heart for this is, is my own mother. Uh, my mother suffered all of her adult life as we were growing up with mental illness that we was undiagnosed. We, we, didn't know, we knew something was wrong, my two sisters and I. We just didn't know what was wrong. But we just knew that there would be weeks on end when mom would just be fun and jubilant and just happy to be around. And then there would be months when she could hardly come out of her room and just, just be this severe depression. And we're like, what is going on? And uh, it, it's sad that she lived in a time when it was undiagnosed. It probably, we kind of think if she was bipolar and there were some other things that, that were, were going on there. But, but I, I say all of that to, to say this, that whatever you're experiencing, that God is with you, even if you're in the dark, that God is with you in the darkness. And he wants to bring you out of that. And that's the hope that, that we have. Nevertheless, God wants to replace my sorrow with joy. Now, I'm not going to say much about this because next week, it's all about joy. So if you want to be happy, come next week, okay? But we're not going to send you out the, word, the door sad today. We're bringing a message of hope and, and, and peace today. But, but we're going to sort of focus on this because this is part of Advent. So he says, you have enlarged the nations and you increase their joy. And I'll just say this much. God wants us to experience joy in our life. God never rejoices when we're going through a season of darkness and pain and, and suffering in our life. And then finally, nevertheless, God wants to shatter my burdens. He says, you shattered the yoke that burdens them. Everybody knows what a burden is. A burden is that thing that you carry with you. That it, it, it makes your life feel a little more heavy, complicated. It's the kind of a thing that you, you can walk into a place and be in a pretty good mood, but when you think about that one thing, that burden you're carrying, it just kind of sinks you a little bit. And you're like, oh yeah, that. And whether it's a complicated relationship or a financial thing or a physical thing, whatever it is, 
it's that burden that you carry. Now, this is really good news. When he uses the word, God wants to, he says shatter. You have shattered. That Hebrew word, and, and I don't usually get into the Hebrew and the Greek too much, but that's a very, very meaningful word. And it literally means, from the Hebrew, that, that God wants to discourage your discouragements, and he wants to terrify that which terrifies you. So just for a moment, I want you to think about that. What is it that it discourages you? And God, like he's after that. He's saying, whatever discourages you, I'm coming after it. I want this, the thing that discourages you, I'm here to help you get through that. And the thing that terrifies you, because sometimes it's like next level, um, I'm not just discouraged, man, I am terrified. He says, I'm going to terrify the thing that terrifies you. I mean, that is a good word from God. So what would that be? Just for a moment, I want you to think, what is that in your life right now? Is there something that is a weight on you, a burden on you? And if you know what that is, you know, for some of us, it's like we got right to it. It's like, oh, yeah, absolutely, understand. I know what it is. But understand, by faith, what God wants to do about that in your life. He wants to help you. He wants you to, to have a breakthrough. He wants you to feel light, not, not heavy, and not carry that burden around. So we, we come to the, to the announcement of Jesus, which is really about him coming and, and changing everything in our life, the opportunity to actually experience peace in, in, in our life. I, I, again, I go back to uh, when we had our, our first child, and I remember, I'll never forget when my wife told me. So, you know, we are just dead broke, not in the best place to be having a kid. And my wife, I'm shaving one morning, my wife walks in and she goes, guess what? Big smile on her face. And I'm like, what? She goes, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, I wish I could have reacted better the first time. But I was like, what? We're pregnant. And I'm just thinking, this is like the worst possible time ever to be having a baby. But, you know, when is there ever really a good time when you think about it? Anyway, so she, she tells me this. And so I'm trying to be happy. And, and so about, about a few weeks later, I got happy. And then, so I'm like, okay, this is a good thing, right? We're, we're going to have a baby. And then all my friends who've already had children, they say, oh, Steve, this is going to absolutely change your life. And I go, really? They go, yeah. And, I, and so, but I'm still happy. I'm like, I know. And they go, no, you don't know. And I said, no, 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 I, I know. And they go, no, you won't know. You will not know until you have a, a baby. I'm like, all right. So we have our first, and they were right. Absolutely changed our life in the, in the best way possible. It was awesome. Now, you know, you, you lose a little bit of sleep, and there's the other things about it. But then we had another one, then we had another one. And, and it's just a beautiful thing to experience a birth and a child, and it changes your life. And the point is that that's what Jesus wants to do, and this whole Advent thing of Jesus coming into the world, to change our life, to make, to make every, everything better. Now, in order to experience Jesus, it doesn't mean that we just know about Jesus in a historical sense, or we know about religion, or we know about faith, but we actually know him, that we know who he is and how he can help. In verse 6 it says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I want to, just for a moment, I want to talk about, those are all the characteristics, some of the characteristics of God and of Jesus, because we're, he's prophesying what Jesus will be like. And so, for instance, wonderful counselor. Who doesn't want to have a wonderful counselor in their life? When I was 40 years old, 
um, I went to go see, for the very first time, I went to a therapist, a Christ-centered therapist, awesome guy, his name was Aaron, and uh, it, was at, it was the lowest point in my life, and so one of the things that, that I enjoyed about my relationship with him was that I was safe. I, I, I was vulnerable. I mean, I was able to tell him anything and everything, and I knew that it was going to be okay. I knew he wasn't going to shame me. I knew that he wasn't going to guilt me, but he was just there to listen to me and offer me wise counsel. He was a wonderful counselor. And, and that's what God wants to be to us. You say, well, how does that work? Well, part of it is, is in this book right here. That's one of the reasons I'm always saying you should read the Bible because some of the counsel comes right from God's word. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've been reading and suddenly there was a counsel. His counsel came to me right from the pages of the Bible. So do that. And then sometimes his counsel comes from other people. Sometimes God will speak through a friend or somebody to you, and it'll be, in that moment, wonderful counselor. God will do that. Sometimes he speaks to us directly. I mentioned uh, this a while back, but every year, uh, and you might, you might try this. This is like such a great thing. Every year, right around January, I ask God to give me a word for the year. Just a word for the year. So before 2019, the year before, my word was plan. And so, and, it, and I just went right to it, and I really, it helped me um, in, in ministry and in other things in my life. And I, so I, I like, thank you, God, for that word. That really helped me a lot. And all the words, and I, all the years back, they were always like action words. They were always like proactive, do this, do this. So this last year, uh, I was asking God for the word, and the word came, and it was like faithful. And so, because all the other words have always been so, you know, do something, it was like, Oh, okay, okay, I'd be faithful. Maybe I'm not faithful enough. Okay, you go for it. But as I was praying about it, it was like, that's not it, Steve. And I was like, oh, what? I, I don't get it. So I was just kind of wrestling with this a little bit, praying about it. God, what, what is it you're trying to get at? And finally, when it came to me, he said, I am faithful. And it was the first time that I kind of stepped back and went, Oh, you're 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 saying you're going to be do the faithful thing, and it was it was wonderful counselor in that moment to me, because I've I've shared with a lot of people, close friends. Karen and I have been through a really difficult time the last couple of years or so, and he was saying, "I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to be faithful," and he has been true to his word. As I move into the last few weeks, God is bringing it all together, and we're so thankful. So He wants to be a wonderful counselor to you. But he also wants to be mighty God to you. And, and, and so, what, what does it mean to be mighty God? So, uh, first of all, it means that, uh, he, that God is at work for us. Uh, in, I, I'm sorry, God is at work in us. In Philippians 4.13, the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That, that's a part of God that you can access. Paul says, I can do it. Why? Because I have God in me. His power is in me. And then uh, his power is at work for me. Now, this is beautiful. In the very book that we're in, Isaiah chapter 40, uh, it says, he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weary. Anybody here ever get weary? You ever get tired? Okay, he says, he increases the power of the weak. And then he goes on, he says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Like he is there to give you some of the power that he has so that you can live your life. You can power through some of the problems and the difficulties that you face. And then finally, power is at work through me so that I can be what he wants me to be. In Acts 1.8, it 
he says, you will be my witnesses. And then you're going to go out and you're just going to, you're going to be wonderful, awesome, amazing people that will have an impact everywhere that you go. Those are some of the things that we receive from a mighty God. But then we have everlasting Father. Now this one's a little more complicated. In my years of ministry, every time I throw the Father word out, it's a mixed bag. As we know, probably few people, if any, shape our life more than our Father, for good or for bad. And so I throw the, you know, and sometimes there's that, you'll notice in the Bible, the Father word is all over the place. And so for people that have had a disconnect with their dad or their, or their father, sometimes they're just, they, that's kind of a barrier right there. Like, oh, you know, I, I want to connect with God, but there's that father word and it wasn't good with, with, with my father. So in my own personal experience, the first 20 years of, of my life with my dad were awesome. Great dad. Next 20 years, not so good. But then we finally got broke through some things. So let me tell you about the best of my dad. My dad uh, loved spending time with me. He just did. He just, I could tell he was as happiest person when he was just hanging out with, with me, teaching me how to play baseball, teaching me how to golf. We, lived, we moved to a ranch and just doing hours and hours and hundreds of miles of trail riding together. I could just tell he loved that. When I was uh, in my athletic part of my life, he was in the, in the stands just cheering me on. Um, I'll never forget, and this something meant so much to me, the first time in my junior year in high school when I had a heartbreak. I mean, I was just crushed. And I came home, and, you know, I was very emotional. I'm crying. And my dad just came up beside me, and he just put his arm around me and just ministered to me deeply and just helped me to get through the most difficult time that I was going through. That was the best of my dad. And when I think of that, that's, the, that's what we're talking about. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, he calls him Abba Father. And Abba is an Aramaic word that actually means daddy. That's what he wants to be to you and I. He says, I am the everlasting father to you. And when I say father, daddy, in the best sense of the word, that's what he wants to be in, in our life. And then finally, he wants to be the prince of peace in our life. Jesus said it this way in, in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, I mean, there's different kinds of peace we can experience. I live in a neighborhood where there's just peace symbols all over the place, right? And, and you know, I live in Ocean Beach, and, and that's just, and so that's great. Everybody wants peace, but so few people are experiencing peace, you know, peace, bro. But are you experiencing it in, in, in your life? And God says, I want to give you a peace that you can't get from the world. You can only get it from me. It's a transcendent kind of peace. And, and so in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, there's a way that you can get that peace, and it actually comes through the way you pray. Now, I, I don't know how you pray, but maybe this will help you right here. So in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. And I know for some of you, you're thinking, Really? How can you not be anxious when you're experiencing this? And you could you have your whole list of like, but I'm going through this, 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 and the other thing. But he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace. Now, here, here's that transcendent part right here. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, 
it, it, it's, it, it defies the way that we can understand it, even think about it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like, like he, what he's saying is, I will give you a peace that like, even if you're going through something really terrible and everybody's going, you know, you should be suffering, you should be stressed out, you're going, you know, for some reason I'm not. It's like God's got this thing. And I've experienced this in my life so many times where I have stuff going on in my life, but at the end of the day, I put my head down on that pillow and I know it's going to be okay. And God gives me that transcendent peace that says, Steve, I got this. You're going to be fine. And that's the kind of peace that he wants to give to you. So change your prayer, but also change your thoughts. Most of you know this, that your thought life has everything in the world to do with what you're feeling, with your emotional state, with whether you're feeling good about life or whether you're feeling bad about life. I, I, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, uh, some of my heaviest thinking is when I'm taking a shower. It's kind of weird, huh? And, and, and maybe I, t- I take long showers too. But anyway, I'll, I'll be, and, and, and sometimes when I'm in the shower, the most terrible, toxic kind of thinking will hit me. And I'll start to stress. Immediately, I'll just start to stress. But I've learned something. I, I've learned that I can actually change my thoughts, that I don't have to get stuck on something. And so he, the apostle says in, in Philippians 4, 8, 9, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever it is. Now, he says, if you're like in a bad place in your, in your mind, you, you can change it to something. He said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he goes, think about those kind of things. And then he says this, and the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you. Have you ever noticed that when you try not to think about something, you think about it? You say, man, try not to think about that. Well, see, the trick is, not doing it that way, but just saying, so I'm going to switch my thinking over to something else. And, and just try it. Try it. I've, I've talked to so many people that came back to me and said, it works. And it really does. Because the, the Word of God works. So next time that you get stuck and you're just some terrible that's making you feel horrible, um, just switch over to something that's beautiful, something that's good, praiseworthy, excellent, noble, any one of these things. And it will begin to change the way that you feel inside. And you'll begin to experience peace in, in your life. Now, the question is, since Jesus gives us peace in, in our life, how do we bring the peace to other people? Uh, and so this is what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Wouldn't it be great if in this season when they're, especially this season, when a lot of people are stressed out, that we actually became peacemakers. Not just keep peacekeepers, but peacemakers. Sometimes I tend to be more of a peacekeeper, and it's kind of my own little struggle. Like, um, I, I don't like conflict. I, I absolutely hate conflict, and I try to avoid conflict. Sometimes I'll do everything I can to be just, you know, like keep the peace. But he says, no, I want you to, to take it to a whole different level. I want you to be a peacemaker maker what if in this season where we might be in tight quarters sometimes with people that we struggle with and they don't like us or they did something to us or it's a family member and that awkward uncle or whatever it is that that we said you know what i'm going to be a i'm going to be a peacemaker like years ago 
I, I remember uh, Karen, my wife and I and our children, we would go to various family settings, and there's some parts of the family that were difficult to be with. Let's just call it out, okay? And I don't know, maybe it's, I'm the only one who ever experiences this. But um, there would be some, and I'm like, and I would just be dreading it. I'd just be thinking, oh, man. And here's my thinking at that time. It was like, if I can just get through it. So it was just, for me, it was just being, about, uh, being a, a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. It's just like, I'm going to sit at that table. I'm going to try to avoid, you know, having any kind of weird conversation. And, and I'm just going to get out of there as fast as I can. I'm going to get home, and then life will be good again. And God just so heart-checked me on that. I said, Steve, that's, no, no. You've got to do better than that. You need to be a peacemaker. So, okay. And so what I, I begin to change my thinking. I begin to change my prayers. And so as I'm, and I used to, this usually took place in Northern California where most of my family is from. As I'm driving to Northern California, I'd be praying the entire way. And I'd say, God, help me to not just endure it, but help me to be a blessing while I'm there. Help me to be a peacemaker. And, and maybe for you, maybe, maybe just that, could change everything this year. Instead of just enduring it, just getting through it, you say, no, I'm, I'm going to go with purpose. I'm going to be a, a peacemaker. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have seen the movie that just came out. Tom Hanks is in it, uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, my children and I grew up with Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, actually, Fred Rogers died in 2003, but his legacy continued. He impacted so many people, so many children. Um, and, and I just remember sitting there watching... Mr. Rogers, he'd walk in and, you know, take off his, his jacket and then take his shoes off. And, and, and he had this beautiful, calming kind of voice uh, as, he would, as, he, as he would talk to people. But he was all about peace. Uh, if, you, if you know anything about his story a little bit, when he was very young, uh, the television was kind of becoming the big thing. And he saw the television and he said, I want to use the medium of television, in his words, to bring grace to the nation, grace to people. And so he, he took the TV, and so then he went to seminary. I don't know if you know, he actually had, got his Master's of Divinity at seminary, and then he studied in child development. And he took those two things, he became a Presbyterian minister, and for 33 years, he ministered through the airways of TV to children and to adults like me and you. And I remember that he would address difficult subjects, I mean, he would, he's talking to children. He would talk about death and war and divorce and bullying and all those kind of things. Like, he did not get away from those kind of hard topics. Mr. Mr. Rogers is a peacemaker. Tom Hanks, who plays the role there, you see a picture of Tom Hanks. They asked him the question, and they said, so did playing Mr. Rogers affect you or impact you in some way? And, and he said, yeah, he says, every day that I went out there, they gave me a different quote, you know, as I was playing the, the role. And, and he said, the one quote they gave me that really kind of stuck with me, it was, how to be happy. There, it, was, it was three ways to be happy. And it was, be kind, be kind, and you guessed it, be kind. We need more of Mr. Rogers' kind of spirit in the world today to be people of peace and to be peacemakers. Philippians, and I end with it, Philippians 4.9 says, instead of worrying, and this is a message translation, pray, pray. Let petition and praises shape your worries into prayers and letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming 
together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of our life. And that's exactly what God wants to do in your life today. He wants to displace worry with peace and blessing on, on your life. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, in this moment, we invite your peace into this room. We invite your peace into our hearts. We invite your peace into areas of conflict and, and stress. Father, we, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus in, into this world to be one of us, to show us the way, and to be a peacemaker. Um, Lord, I, I pray that if there's anybody here today that is going through a dark season in their life, that they've received some hope, and right now they're receiving some hope, some, some peace in their life as well, Lord. Uh, I pray that if there's somebody here today who is just disconnected from you in some way, and, and their heart's not been open. I pray right now you'd open their hearts, open their minds to know that you want them to experience not only hope, but peace, and not only peace, but joy in their life. And for those that are carried burdens, that they could just let go of some of those burdens today before they walk out the door. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.